Here we go. It's Friday, November 6th. Um, it's election week. It's now election week. It's no longer election day. Um, election month, maybe? Could be election month. We don't know. Anything could happen, Mac. Anything could happen. I did think I saw something on one news station that there was a winner at this point, but I don't believe it. So we'll just have to... I like election month. We should just see election quarter, potentially. See we should just at least learn how to manage expectations with this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. This is one of the lessons that we like to teach when you're onboarding new clients. You want to set expect, clear expectations up front. Let's, let's, you know, we to some extent we did this, but I think we could have done it better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was, uh, I think we just have to know moving forward. It maybe is a 12 week process <laughs> in the election, 12 week process. So, but we're not here to talk about elections. However, I would say if things keep going the way they're going, maybe one of us should actually throw a hat in the ring. I'm good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. I was kind of hoping you were going to go for it. <laughs> good try. Good try. <laughs> I'm not even uh, okay. sure if I want to be on anyone's staff who's going through that crap right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, we'll keep it into the coaching world. We'll keep it in yeah. the coaching world. Let's do that. We're, we'll, we may be America's coaches though. How about that? Coach for America. <laughs> there we go. Well, we're here to talk about coaching. I thought last week was a, probably, I thought one of the more um, informative, I thought helpful episodes we had done recently. I thought a little bit more kind of down in the weeds talking about process. Quick recap, we jumped into some of the steps we took to launch our first mastermind that were hosted through Nudge, the Program Builder Mastermind, which I can't take any credit, so I don't mind bragging for Phil. I thought did a great job. We ended up um, kicking it off during a webinar a few weeks ago, opened the enrollment kind of 60, 70% through the webinar. So when people got the email, we ended up closing it um, way overbooked what we thought we were going to allow in for the first cohort, which was great. Um, I think you had even had some great email sequences, email sequencing in place. But I think the, the main thing with this was just the fact that we feel like we're seeing a shift right now. Group coaching has really been taking off in 2020 and cohorts seem to be gaining a lot of momentum. And I think what was so great is cohorts seem to be um, I think getting more interesting, people are intrigued by the way in which it can be helping get enrollment. It seems like there's a, there's maybe a little bit of an advantage using more of a cohort based model, maybe a good place to start. And then we can kind of take a step back and look at how the, how the program ended. Yeah, for sure. So I, if, if this is sounding interesting to anyone who loves to get down in the weeds, then listen last week as well. Um, just zip back to the previous episode, back whatever, to previous. whatever you're on. Yeah, back in time. Back in time. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Was that a Wayne's World reference? I, I think it was. I can't remember. Is it Wayne's World? It may have been. <laughs> I think so. Yep. <laughs> yep. Back, back in time. Whoever's listening on the podcast is like, what the hell is going on right now? You need to see what we're doing. <laughs> this is why we record these on Friday, though, because I guarantee we're, ma- we're way more entertaining on Fridays than we are on other days of the week. Yeah, my brain is fried, so I'm just going to talk nonsense all day. Um, okay, so back to what we were talking about. Yes, we were, we, um, yeah, we, we were able to be pretty successful with that enrollment. Um, you know, we did a couple of things well, and we learned a lot throughout the, yeah. the two weeks as well. And I think we're going to dig into more, more of that stuff, that stuff too. But yeah, I mean the cohort. 
uh, sign up. This is something again that we've never done before. So we were, mm-hmm. we talked about this last week, setting up the opportunity for us to, you know, succeed or fail very publicly. Mm-hmm. Why, <laughs> um, and why do you think though, why do you think the cohort model is maybe in vogue right now, or you want to call it, or why do you think people are kind of shifting more towards that? What's the advantage for anyone who's maybe not familiar with the cohort based model? Yeah. So I think what I would say is, uh, well, there are a couple, a couple of different reasons for sure. I don't want to speak for everybody who's doing this, but you know, one thing that I think is becoming more apparent for people who have at least enough of an audience to feel like they can roll out something and get, get signups into a program for a group of people to go through it together is that, um, in marketing, when you have the sort of leverage of a fixed date for something to start and, you know, a limited amount of time for people to sign up that all of that stuff. And, and even if you're framing it as we were a limited number of seats available, all of these limitations are kind of leverage to help you in your Mm -hmm. marketing, get people kind of nudge people just over the, over the edge, kind of get reach that tipping point to where they really need to make a decision as to whether they're going to jump in or whether they're going to not take advantage of this opportunity. Um, that, is definitely just, you know, those kind of little bits of leverage that you can add to your marketing and sales process for these types of programs makes all the difference. Um, and so I think that's why we were able to, even with the idea that we were probably initially going to frame it with, you know, offering about a week to sign up. Mm-hmm. Um, we also mentioned the limited number of spots available. And because of those two things, just kind of mentioning those early on in the webinar, when we were talking about our product update and the reason we were doing a mastermind in the first place, not even really selling it yet. We had people go ahead and start buying those seats while we were still talking about it, because I think of the, the limited opportunity. I, and I really do think that was, I don't know where you picked that up from, but I actually thought that because we had never really done it that way before. I think pretty typically what you see is in a webinar call to action at the very end to, you know, do something, whether it's opt in, sign up, whatever, whatever that call to action may be. But we did it. I distinctly remember probably with 20 minutes left in the webinar is when that everyone received the email. And I remember with at least 15 minutes left, seeing people were signing up and saving their seats as we were still going through it. So it did seem like we could then use that in the webinar to say to people, Hey, look, you know, spots are going fast. And that was, that was truthful and completely transparent because that's what was happening right in front of our eyes. So it seems like that was something we, we absolutely would want to do again in the future. And it seemed like it worked really well for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things. It's easy to say after the fact, right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, (laughs) we had this great plan or whatever. Um, you know, I didn't know it was going to happen like that. I have to be yeah. honest, but these are things that we got, you know, some of those pieces we got a little lucky on, for example, um, the checkout process that we were putting up, we had to push actually a little bit of a, a product update to mm-hmm. make sure that that was up in time. Yep. And literally was like chatting with our CTO before I was going to go live on the webinar. And I was like, Hey, go ahead and flip that switch just in case anybody <laughs> wants to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. take advantage just in case. <laughs> It did. It was interesting. I thought that worked really well. And I I think one thing too, that we probably didn't think a lot of on the front end. And I think it's something that here on the Instagram live, we did a few minutes ago, leading up to this, we kind of touched on 
was something we, we maybe overlooked. I think a lot of people maybe do when they're thinking about um, maybe the difference in a cohort-based model is that sense of community and something that um, <laughs> I thought Jamie on the call earlier really summed it up well. So I'll have to give him a shout out on the Instagram post afterwards. But you know, some one of those things you can't really market on the front end is, hey, after this mastermind, you're going to leave with 20 BFFs, which I think is so true. Like you can't do that. That's going to sound ridiculous. But after you go through a program like this, that does have a community aspect to it. I do think that's maybe one of the strongest areas of perceived value that you see as you reflect back is, yeah, you, you remember the educational content that was shared, but the connections and the relationships and the conversations, I think, are so much more powerful. Yeah, since people are going through, like, time is such a, a powerful thing and shared time kind of multiplies the power of it. And people going through this experience together mm-hmm. brings them closer together, right? And that's, you're creating community. We, and, and you know, I did obviously a lot of planning on this, um, but I think that's one of the biggest learnings is that I didn't know we were building a, a community that's going to be a real value driver for us mm-hmm. until the very end of the mastermind. Um, that wasn't like, plan a that isn't what the goal of the whole thing was um we set out with you know to build this with a set of sort of business goals for us and it just sort of came out the other side and we realized that oh my god one of the most valuable things we've done is brought these people together in this shared experience who are preparing for this big platform launch that they're going to use to run their business and they're learning from each other and they're going to keep learning from each other yeah (laughs) um it was huge I would even argue, and and granted, I was not on every single session. So this is something I I don't want to make it sound like we hadn't done any of it because we may have done a little. I feel like that session with Medina from Shetty Coaching was maybe a bit of an ice-breaking moment. And I don't know if you kind of saw it that way too, where before she kind of got into her material, she kind of stopped. And I think it was almost 30 minutes where she just, you know, granted on each one of these sessions, there was probably a couple dozen you know, she kind of just stopped there and said, Hey, look, I I've got content I can walk through, but it's not going to be, you know, relevant. I want it to be the most relevant for you all. So she actually started having everyone kind of go around the zoom call and say kind of who they were and what they're doing and what their biggest problem was. And I felt like that's where I felt like people's walls were coming down. I feel like after that much more, you know, talkative on, on the zoom calls, but also too, I thought there was a lot more engagement on the, on this, um, in the group forum afterwards. Yeah. And shout out to Medina Akhmadova because we've just, we've, we've only kind of connected with her, what, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Something like that. And I've not, I'm not sure I've been more impressed with someone that we've connected with. Um, and she's, so she is, you know, one of the leaders at the Jay Shetty certification school, the coaching school that they have. And she is just sharp as hell. <laughs> I mean, she's I, I think really that's great. where people got I, I think people enjoyed getting a chance to spend some time with us. And I, I loved getting a chance to connect with you. But I would say we we may have been number two and three of the, like we were nowhere yeah. close to, Medina was the MVP of the, of yeah, the mastermind. Yeah, and so she's been doing this for a while. Like they, yeah. they intentionally run things in cohorts of Jay Shetty. They have a lot of demand, right? They have these big kind of cohorts of students going through their certification mm-hmm. program. And so she's been doing this for a while and has had a chance to kind of take her knocks and learn all these lessons, but she bailed us out probably twice in, in this whole process by making sure 
you know, when we were talking about doing this, we asked her some questions and she let us know that we were probably not approaching the framing of it the right way, the scheduling of it the right way. And then yep. her session kind of unlocked another layer of value that um, we weren't even sure uh, was going to be there with this kind of breaking down the walls and creating this tighter sense of community. So we definitely owe her for that one. So there's the shout out one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as we're, you know, we just wrapped it up, I guess yesterday was the last session. And and I, I do hope anyone who's listening to this one is listening kind of to the one from last week, because I think that's where we got a little bit more into maybe some of the promotional components of getting it off the ground at first. But I think as we're wrapping it up, I think there were some big questions that came out of it. And that was really, you know, I think, as you mentioned, you and I both had this kind of realization of the, the power of the community side of things. And it's really, what do we do with that long-term? Yeah. I actually left a note in my notebook as we were kind of having that session yesterday. Well, really big question is what, what do we do with that community long-term? And I think that is such an important piece of a cohort. I would ask anyone doing that, pro- doing a program like this to really consider a strategy for moving forward of how do you take that tribe mentality and continue it forward? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we're going to have to dig into and really define as we go forward. So um, you know, it's something that in the future, we'll be running these programs on our own platform, which will be a delight. Um, but we piece together kind of a lot of different tools <laughs> to make this one work. And I think yeah. this is actually one of what's so great about uh, our where we are right now and kind of our evolution is that we just ran a coaching program for people who are trying to create coaching programs under the assumption that it's too hard to run online coaching programs. And we got to live that and be that and do it all together for two weeks and see that, you know, I had to hook together MailChimp and an email workflow and Slack and Trello and all these different tools. We had some Google slides going on Mm -hmm. that were shared out to people. All these different tools were just kind of hooked together through you know, Zapier integrations or just manually scheduling yep. things out. Um, and that's just, you know, too much. <laughs> I would, I would have people. to admit that every coach going through the process like you went through has to shed at least one tier. Mm-hmm. There has to be at least one tier from every single person trying to connect all those dots. If, if you were launching your business and you are great at coaching and don't have as much experience, especially on kind of the digital side, I mean, good grief. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can say to it. So I think you're right. I think it was a great experience for us to kind of really, I think, solidify some of our assumptions on kind of what was needed and where we're going. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be nice once we can kind of transition everything onto the system. Yeah. Living our own pain point was, was another one of the value, (laughs) the key value points for us in this experience. Mm -hmm. But I thought in, in general though, um, I think, seemed like it was all well-received. I think it was very positive experience, not just for us to help, you know, help us maybe with development moving forward. I thought people seemed to get a lot out of it. Um, some of the quotes you mentioned to me earlier with the reviews, incredibly encouraging and flattering. And I, you know, like I said, I, I think we both had a phenomenal time getting a chance to better under, better meet some of the, the uh, coaches that were in the cohort. Um, what would you do differently if you were, I guess, if you were taking a step back, looking at the program, how it, how it went granted, you know, we know we're going to transition onto our system in the coming months, but Mm -hmm. any kind of larger, more significant things that jumped out as something you would maybe want to make sure people were aware of as they were putting together programs or putting together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first go is always going to be rough. I think almost no matter what, uh, what you're doing. And, you know, I think we, 
we got through it really well and everybody was, was happy with it, but it obviously takes extra work the first time through and, you know, you're making assumptions the mm-hmm. first time through that you learn from. So, um, a couple of things I would say we, you know, have a, a promotional schedule and a lot of things kind of overlapping promotion wise and our end. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, hard to fit in all this scheduling wise. It's mm-hmm. very difficult. Um, and so, we talked about this last week, but the onboarding process, um, we had to do asynchronously for a couple of reasons. And that's definitely not ideal. I would, I would be more hands-on on the front end in terms of having some, t- si- some type of live session to help walk people through the process, getting set up on systems, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think the other piece of that, that we didn't learn fully the power of until week two is having that live session up front where people can engage with each other to start yes. to break down those walls. That would have been the other piece of that upfront session that I think we would have done that I would, I mean, even though I, mm-hmm. I thought that would be a better idea when we were first planning this, I would not have thought of the break down the walls up front. Let's create a sense of community. That was not um, on my mind. And so that's, that's definitely, definitely a key learning from this experience is try to create that community at the beginning. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like there was a a pretty significant change from week one to week two in terms of kind of the, I don't know, the feel of the, I guess we did it in Slack this first round, but I thought the social forum was, uh, seemed like the, I feel like more, more communication. It seemed like there was a lot more just um, participation in general. And I, I think it really did come down to that session with Medina kind of first broke the ice. And then I think that session we did with everybody where it was more of a round table yesterday really sparked it. And I think there was probably more engagement in it yesterday or over the past 48 hours than there was maybe in the first full week. So yeah, I think to your point of creating that sense of, Hey, it's, we're kind of all together in a single classroom. These are the students in the class. We're all, you know, we're all in this together versus all isolated at home, no real connection with the other people. Because I think that also brings back to the whole value of it long-term. And if you're trying to get people into subsequent programming, I think if you do it right with the community and build the connection on the front end, I think you can get a lot longer value out of folks. Mm -hmm. Um, So just something to consider as well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. And that's, that's one of those lessons that's funny afterwards where you, you know, you're out there literally preaching principles, like humanize the experience up front. Yep. And we didn't fully humanize the experience. Up Bill, front. you should have watched my onboarding session before you did this. I mean, I think that's where we, we really went awry. Mac, I'm not going to lie to you. We, we delivered a recorded first session where I spoke the words, the first principle is to humanize the experience. <laughs> we, yeah. So little, some little refinements we'd probably do. I know we'd probably <laughs> tweak orders probably a little bit. Yes. Um, anything else that you look at at cohort, anything else you would change or, or maybe just maybe uh, anything else that was surprising if anyone who's thinking about putting together a cohort, just any other kind of gold nugget for them. Yeah, I think, I mean, one important thing to consider and, and so there are different, obviously types of people who will listen to this, who have different experience. So like people more maybe with coaching experience, will have one set of expectations. People mm-hmm. with more of a marketing background will have another the advantage that marketing people will have and that I had was that I knew that different people are going to engage in different ways with this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Um, so, you know, have, have a plan in place for, for that type of engagement. Um, so for example, you know, 
if you have live sessions, just know that whatever 30, 40, 50% of people are going to show up live. And then the other folks are going to watch that later. Um, really important piece. And that was actually, I think I told you a question that came in yesterday in a session from somebody who was actually asking that question was, Hey, what, what percentage of people were attending these sessions live versus how many were totally enrolled. And I think it always seems to come down or back down to that 30 to 35% attend live. And I, I think the one thing I would share with people who are doing this is don't get discouraged when you only see that a third of people attend live, because I think we tend to see, and I know we were seeing it in the forum here over the past few days, people repeatedly saying, Hey, they're a little bit behind or they're catching up the videos or, Hey, I just watched one of the videos, you know, people are busy. And I think that's, yeah. it's really, like, don't take it personally when people aren't there live. Cause keep in mind too, you know, we had some people that were joining this from Europe and other, other time zones that, for them, it may have just been completely unreasonable for them to attend it live. And it doesn't mean they weren't getting value from it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Carol, God bless her, is in Alaska. Um, oh, that's right. I don't, I don't know the exact, I, I should know this. We haven't talked to a lot of people in Alaska. I don't know the time difference. I'll be honest I think you. it's four or five hours difference. So that yeah. means that was six or you know, six it's or so. very in early in the morning for her yeah. to attend yeah. our live sessions that were at 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, so she was actually on a couple of those live though, which I truly appreciate. Yeah, that's incredible. The there. That's impressive. But um, she, I know she was watching recordings. One of the, one of the interesting things that I found. So in, when you do like larger webinars, for example, um, to kind of a broader audience, which mm-hmm. we do, um, you'll have that kind of third or so of the registrants that show up to attend uh, live. And then not many people watch the recording when you, I find Hmm. when you do an actual webinar like that to a broader audience in the mastermind in this kind of confined space with these people in this community session, a hell of a lot of people watch the recording. So it was really wild to watch. So you would have like, you know, 15 up to 20, as many as 20 on a live session out of the 40 or so. Um, I guess the 40 may be including me. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Yeah. But then I would look at the analytics of the video that I posted and another 20 had watched it. Whether there was overlap between the original 20 and the other 20, I'm sure there was some, mm-hmm. but it was amazing to me because we've, we've put on webinars where, you know, about 200 people registered and whatever, I'm just using easy numbers, 50 were on live and like four people watch the yeah. recording. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing when, yeah, when people pay and you touch on something we actually hadn't touched on much yet was, is a, or really that idea that I'd say measure everything, you know, if you okay. really can, especially in your first, first cohort, um, just because you are going to have things you're going to want to presumably refine or make, make adjustments to. And I didn't, I, I should have even asked you, I didn't realize, I, I guess I should have known that just through the video platforms we use, we would get analytics out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's good to know. Cause I think also too, you can start identifying what are some of your weaker pieces of content to maybe think about re-recording yep. or maybe just reframing or restructuring in any kind of way. So that's, I think, incredibly critical. Um, I'm assuming we were probably, me- I was trying to think what else we'd really be measuring or what another person should have their eyes on in terms of metrics. Yeah, so we did a couple of things that, allowed us to get some additional information uh, throughout this process. And this may be different, for example, in a coaching Mm -hmm. business, but the same principles would apply. Um, So upfront, when people signed up, we already knew a good amount about them uh, because of the way we run kind of our online promotion. And 
all of these people, you had to be a customer of Nudge to sign mm. up. Um, or you had to have a Nudge have account, account, I should had say. Have you can have a free account. You could sign up through your free account, um, but you had to have a Nudge account. So we, we knew they had an account and the information that they put in to sign up. Um, we knew how many clients they had. Uh, and we were able to quickly identify, we mm. had a, just a, we did this actually manually very quickly. It didn't take much time at all. Just did a quick check to see what type of coaching business mm-hmm. all of these people ran. And we, we did that manually because it's the first time it's easy. Yep. Uh, we may ask that in the future up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but uh, that was very easy. So what we were doing there is basically avoiding the kind of friction of a upfront form where that really felt like yep. an assessment. Um, so we were able to get that information up front. If you're not doing that, don't worry about the friction, have the upfront mm-hmm. assessment, just keep it light. Um, yeah, cause you know, if you're, I guess you're targeting consumers. It'd be maybe a little bit more difficult to, yes. you can't find the website on them. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so these are, these are businesses we're working with. We have an advantage there. So we, we knew kind of where people were from those perspectives, the number of clients they had, um, type of coaching they were doing when they signed up for the platform, what plan they were on with us, all, the, all those kinds of good, good um, bits of information for us to use in terms of shaping the actual sessions we were doing. Um, but after the first handful of sessions, I also asked single poll questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another kind of little touch point that let us do a little bit of measuring and, and personalizing along the way for folks. Yep. Uh, so just as an example, um, the first live session was run by Stacy uh, from Growth Tools. And so that session was on their OPA method. It's basically a partnership strategy, getting in front of, in front of other people's mm-hmm. audiences in order to grow your business, right? A, a client acquisition strategy. And asked a single question um, right before that or right after it. I think it was right before, which is basically asking people how they're primarily acquiring clients at this point. And the reason I did that is one, I wanted to know who that session was going to be perfect for. Right. Um, So I could kind of tease that up for them. Um, And two, I wanted to know who that might be like a little bit of a miss for, because there are a lot of different people running different strategies. And we have other content on different methods for acquiring clients And so what I was able to do was the handful of people that said, Hey, I use webinars and workshops to acquire clients, or I use challenges to acquire Mm -hmm. clients or all of mine are referrals. I had bits of content that I wanted to share with all those people to make sure they got specific personalized value out of that. Yeah. That's a really good point that not every piece of content within your program is going to resonate with every single person in it. And I think you, you kind of have to have that realization on the front end. And I, yeah, I thought that was incredibly insightful on you to, or great foresight to say, Hey, look, I know this going into it and you kind of had some pieces ready. I, I would not have even thought about that, but I'm, I'm glad you did because it, yeah, obviously that, you know, that's a good example of one that because we do have a lot of different types of coaches coming in very different models. I, I remember some people in there were talking about, you know, they're in healthcare, so they're getting referrals, very different from an acquisition standpoint. Absolutely. I mean, it, it really does make a difference. And, you know, I, I can guarantee you that the community aspect would have died out pretty quickly, given the yeah. fact that we launched it asynchronously. Um, if there were not those little like direct messages for me to specific individuals that were specifically responding to their needs, um, mm-hmm. what they were looking for. 
that was really intentional knowing that we didn't have the big kind of personalized uh, upfront onboarding experience. So I think if you do both of those things, then you're really probably cooking in terms of your community. Yeah, building. yeah absolutely. No, that that's great insight for sure. Um, well, like I said, I think it was a productive first cohort. I thought there were some good learnings from it. I, you know, I think there's some things we'll probably refine moving forward. It sounds like we are planning to do another one in December. That's right. Um, based on, and I just said it. So now it's, it's out there. It's in the ether. So now we have to do it. Might there as we well it in the stone tablet. Mac. Yep. Yep. Accountability right here. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that we see as being an important piece, I think, of our of our brand in general. And it seems like um, we've always kind of had an educational spin to things. I think this is just a really logical transition for us. And and um, hopefully people are finding a lot of value and enjoying it. So Yeah. And one other thing I think that I didn't mention that I meant to is this is kind of forcing us to do something that I think is underrated in terms of kind of roping people into the process is we're kind of now in this mode where we're mm-hmm. building very publicly kind of the next iteration of our platform. Yep. And we're very transparent about this being our first mastermind program. And so by building in public, we're sort of eliciting feedback without even asking for feedback yeah. sometimes. Like people yeah. know that this is going on. Um, and it's been really helpful to, to me so far. I can tell you that. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Buffer. I don't know if you remember yeah. Buffer, the social media platform, but they, I felt like were one of the first companies years ago that kind of put that flag in the ground around transparency and have just been doing things completely different. And I think it actually led to a lot of enhanced sentiment towards that company in general, because people were so shocked that it was just such a contrast to what you typically saw in the startup world. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's been so many things that have kind of been, I don't know, really heartening about kind of where we're going in terms of this. And I didn't again, know all this up front, but we, we're sort of entering a new phase because we decided to, to try this new thing. I think mm-hmm. we're entering a new phase in our business where, you know, we're going to have this core community going for, forward, our, our kind of tribe of, of close coaches who are following us and, mm-hmm. and trying to collaborate with each other to create the most valuable programs they possibly can. Um, community of people kind of trying to perfect the coaching program online, which would be fun to watch to see how it plays yeah. out. Um, but the other thing that I think was interesting from all the feedback, which was incredibly positive, which was so great to hear, but um, believe it or not, people actually liked hearing from us, Mac. <laughs> they liked yeah. there and really, really engaging with people. And every single, we had this feedback questionnaire at the end in every single one, there was at least a mention of either you or I personally engaging with people and they appreciated us taking time out to do that. And I think that's probably what's really going to enable the community building long-term is just our willingness to put some skin in the game and some time on the line mm-hmm. um, to continue to do this. And as much as we want to, you know, bring in other people to run these bits and pieces of these programs, yeah. we're going to have to engage as well going forward. Yeah. that And that's our, Interesting piece. I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but the uh, we 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 both felt like, and I, I think Medina even said this too. Um, I think all the participants would agree with this as well. It makes sense, and it's advantageous to bring in outsiders, guest speakers, to kind of break up the content. I think that was an absolutely great move. But exactly to your point, very little can can replace or replicate the value. I think of how you know you as the coach and your business and you, the founder, in our case, us being the founders, um, 
that ability to kind of humanize and kind of bridge that connection between, you know, not just hiding behind a website, which I think this day and age, a lot of brands, especially as brands get larger, I think there's a lot of hiding behind websites. And I don't think it's anything they intentionally do. I just think it naturally occurs as a, as a business gets more mature. And I think the more you can be on the front end, whether it's through um, podcasting, whether it's through webinars, whether it's through mastermind programs, it, it is absolutely going to provide incredible amounts of value to your business. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a parallel between that idea and just like the reason that you don't think of, you know, branded Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts yeah. as influencers. There are people that are influencers and, you know, there's a lot of authenticity that's driving uh, engagement in the world today. And I think we, we kind of lived that lesson firsthand through this. Even yeah. though we're both terrible at social media. We shouldn't talk about it, but <laughs> we are not good at social media. We figured it out. I kind of just keep posting stories. I'm not really sure what it means, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're getting better. We're getting better. Let's give ourselves a little bit of credit, a little bit of credit. All right. Well, what else, what else can you think of? Or, or is that a good amount of kind of reflection on, on what we've learned over this kind of last two weeks here? I, I think this was good. I, I think you summarized it really well in that last statement. I think authenticity. I think that's really kind of concisely summarizes everything of like the value of a program like this. Yeah. I think if we're going to take a step back and kind of recap, I think cohort makes it far easier to market and sell. It sounds like you've got something that's more concise. There's a, there's a target start date, easier to market, articulate easier to maybe run. You can build that tribe mentality that can help keep it going. You can even, I think Sarah even mentioned in one of the sessions, kind of finding an advocate in the group that can kind of help you yep. keep conversations going. She called it a plant, which I thought was good. It made it sound like you had a spy in the group. So I thought it was kind of funny. But, um, and then also too, that tribe can kind of continue the value on forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you kind of start transitioning into those um, long-term raving fans that that's where it can really kind of flywheel your business, I think, and, and take it off. So no, I thought this was great. I think I'm glad we touched on this in two different sessions. Cause I think the big question you left with last week was yes, it was great that we we're seeing positive things in week one, but right. would we continue to see this through week two? And I would almost say week two even surpassed what we saw in week one. It did. We learned even more and we had some things go really right. And, you know, thanks to the folks who, who participated, but also the folks who, who shared some time with our, our community, our little community to, to drive that uh, Medina and Sarah and uh, Stacy. They really did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is good. We'll have to see what next week brings us. Who knows? We'll find out next Friday guys. So uh, tune in. Don't forget Friday, about Friday, it. Friday, Friday. Uh, again, what was that? Friday, 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 every Friday, by the way, three ish, three o'clock ish, probably about three ten. Uh, if we're being honest on Instagram, you can check out max Instagram live, which is always ridiculous. Um, and then you can catch us here and this will be posted on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to your stuff, guys. Um, we'll see you next time.